Rookie of the Year candidate, Josh Hart, joining us here in the Freak Nation, NHRA Rookie of the Year candidate. And you, you look at really what you've done this year, and it hasn't surprised, evidently, a lot of people who cover the NHRA, they say it hasn't surprised how well you've done this year. What about yourself? Has it surprised you on how well you and your your team's done this year, or is it just, yeah, we knew we had this? No, um, it's definitely been surprising. We uh, we took our time, and we believe in quality over quantity, so we knew we were going to be a force to be reckoned with. We didn't know that we were going to go out and have immediate success like Gainesville. Well, that's one of the, the situations in the NHRA is you have at least a couple of teams that can go out there and crush it every freaking race. But when Josh Hart comes in there and starts kicking some ass, that wakes a lot of people up. Has Have other teams taken notice in a sense that you feel that uh, maybe they're not sharing some certain secrets or talking to you like they did uh, before you started winning races? No, actually, it's the other way around. Um, th- everybody's accepted me, and, and uh, they've been very kind and courteous. Uh, you know, obviously, we're, we're there to do one thing, and win is that thing. So uh, when we come to the line, I'm sure we're not friends, but everything in the pits and up to that moment has been very good for me. Josh, they've been kind and courteous this year because you're a rookie. You've already proven to them that you can win. Once you get into your sophomore season, there's going to be no more kindness or courtesy to you ever again. Let's just face facts. <laughs> I'm good with it. Oh, really? All right. If you're okay with that, Josh, then let's let's hear some of your best trash talk because I want to know when you come into your sophomore season, how you're going to talk to, oh, let's say, Tony Schumacher when you face off with him next year. I would say uh, I've been watching you for a long time and I will enjoy putting you on the trailer. So you're, you're one of those that comes in all nicey, nicey, and then you leave it with a, a mean comment right at the end. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, on the track actions speak for themselves. Josh Hart, rookie of the year candidate joining us here in the Freak Nation, top fueler, a couple of wins this season. And you do have some competition that's coming in for the 2022 season. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but look at the, the changing of the guard with uh, Leah Pruitt and Matt Hagen moving to different teams and then Tony Stewart coming in. Is that the kind of stuff that you, that you concentrate? Do you think about things like that? Or is it like, hey, man, I got bigger fish to fry, like winning rookie of the year and, and going in and winning some of these big boy races, whether it's winning at Pomona or your next race? I couldn't have said it better myself. You can get so wrapped up in everybody else's stuff that uh, it's ridiculous. I don't really think about who's in the next lane. We just want to win. So we go up there, we do our own thing, and um, it's paid off for us. Josh Hart, potential rookie of the year. Did you have this kind of success in mind? When you looked at this season, the 2021 season, from the beginning, what did you see for yourself? Did you just want to qualify for events, win rounds? Did you see rookie of the year championship? No, sir, I didn't. I, I thought, you know, um, new team, limited schedule. Uh, let's go out here, do eight to 10 races, something like that, and try to be competitive, obviously qualify for each year or each race rather. And um, when we won our first race, I thought, wow, that was a fairy tale. We're going to be chasing our tail for a long time. <laughs> but uh it's it's been great. The team got acclimated to one another quickly. Uh, the cars performed well. Um, I got comfortable, so I'm cutting decent lights. And um, now I just feel like we need to uh, we need to be consistently in the 360s, hitting that 330 mile an hour mark. 
in the 21 years we've been doing this, the most fascinating thing that I have heard from driver after driver, no matter the series, is what turns the light on when they go from roping around in the dark to bam, the light comes on and they figure out how to do it. When did that light come on for you? Um, I would say testing in Gainesville, you know, because with Ron Douglas and the team behind you, the car was running consistently 370s. And I thought, man, if, you, if you're not worrying about tire shake or smoking the tires every, every pass, uh, you get comfortable really quick. So the light came on and I thought, you know what? We can do this. Wow. Wow. So uh, let me sneak one more in here. And this is about you, Josh Hart, potential rookie of the year. How do you get ready for a race? Some guys listen to music. Some guys just go in the corner and get quiet. How do you get ready for a race? Hopefully you go in the corner and turn, turn your uh, iPod on <laughs> and start jamming to some hardcore heavy metal. Just start banging your head, <laughs> play guitar, air guitar. How do you get ready for a race? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a past life drummer. So, um, any uh, Motley Crue, um, you know, some Slipknot, stuff like that. I, I love that kind of music. But to be completely honest with you, it's kind of more like Days of Thunder. I still talk to the car. Oh, wow. How do you do, How do, you do that? And there's a guy in an open wheel racing. Used to, he's gone now, but Carl Haas used to talk to the car. He added and added and rub it down before a race. You don't do that, do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I definitely, uh, you know, make sure we're going to get along this event. Um, nice. Kind of walk around slowly and make sure we're in each other's mind and the whole the whole nine yards. I'm not holding back. But you and the car are trying to get your minds together in one place. <laughs> that's that's spectacular. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's be honest. When they strap me in that thing, I am nothing more than a piece of that car. So, um I take care of it and try not to make reckless decisions and hopefully it takes care of me. Wow, you got a new you've got a new fan, dude. <laughs> I've never heard that from any driver in twenty one years of doing speed freaks. How much of this is a superstition that has developed over the years versus no no no, this is just my routine. Oh, it's definitely not a superstition. I mean huh. uh I think it's got its own personality depending upon which track we're at. So it's just a part of me and, and my routine. Okay. How do you talk to a top fuel rail a mile high in Denver? Because that's oh, no, a different conversation. Okay. Then <laughs> next year, you're going to have to. Absolutely. <laughs> I just could see Josh Hart walking up to the, his fueler. You'll get kind of like get with the glean in his eye and put your arms around it, and give it a big old hug and come on, baby. Whispering come sweet on, baby. nothing's nothing's into the headers. Is that is that how it works? You you watch after every successful pass, the first thing I do is I pat the engine on the head. <laughs> oh my gosh, we do. We need B-roll of this. Awesome. We need video. <laughs> does it ever does it ever respond? Does it ever say, All right, Josh, I got your partner, I got your back? Oh yeah, Baytown, Texas. It expand. It definitely responded. It exploded behind my head and said, "I'm done for the day." Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like some ex-wives right there, buddy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's it's no secret uh, with your t your ties, of course, there in Central Florida, and, and then of course with 
Big Daddy Don Garlitz. Can you run us through the story of how he encouraged you to to go big boy drag racing? Sure. Um, actually, he he tried to discourage me at first. He said, um, oh. "You know, why don't we why don't we mess with the electric dragster and and see if we can do some expo racing, something like that." Um, I think it equivalented to like fifty two cents a pass with the electric dragster program. And uh, I said, well, Don, I think I'm going to go top fuel racing. So um, we built engines together in the past and we had we had done some projects here and there. Uh, I was the one that actually was strapping him into the electric dragster at one point. So that was cool. But um, he was there when I did my alcohol license and he was there when I did my some of my top fuel licensing. And he was there for my first top fuel race. So it's been a long relationship. It's been awesome. Where did it begin? I mean, how, you just can't walk up to Don's door and say, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm here to be, be a part of your life. How, how'd that happen? Yeah, actually, um, not nothing to be proud of, but I've been in a lot of trouble racing things. And uh, he said, you know, why don't you try it on the drag strip? So um, I went to a test and tune night and I was hooked from there on out. And uh, my shop, Bernie's Speed Shop, is about seven miles from his shop. Um, so if we had mechanically, um, you know, any type of mechanical issues for Hemis and things like that, I always bounced ideas off of him and all the new computer tuning and stuff like that we do on our end. So, um, started out as kind of a, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back relationship. That's amazing. That's a cool story. Yes. So here's, here's one for you. You know, the history of, of Don Garlitz and drag racing and we, it just flows off our tongue. John Force, the greatest drag racer, Ever, if you're going to measure in championships, yes. But sometimes I'm not easy saying that, given what Big Daddy did prior to John, and really what Big Daddy did to drag racing in general. How do you feel about the greatest drag racer in history? Is it John Force, or would be would Big Daddy be right up there next to him? Yeah, I mean, um, Don Garlitz is a is an innovator. You know, he's always, and I mean this even still yet today, he's always trying to find new ways. Um, John Force may be the greatest drag racer of all time because he's he's in it and he's, he's still rocking the, the tree. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's two different, two different scenarios there. They're both awesome. Rookie of the Year candidate. Do you campaign for Rookie of the Year? Or are you just hoping that uh, your, your results on the track will get you Rookie of the Year? Um, I, I think my performance off the track is more interesting than my performance on the track, you know, building a team from scratch, um, funding it, sponsoring it, doing all the meet and greets, um, a lot of our charity work, you know, like I donate all of my contingency money to young racers to help them get involved in drag racing. Um, there's a lot of things that I do that a lot of people don't talk about. And truthfully, I don't know how to advertise. Um, so maybe, maybe something that shouldn't even be advertised, you know, I'm not looking for a pat on the back. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's just strictly based on wins, obviously, you know, Dallas is an awesome guy and we we're tied for wins, but, um, I own everything and, and operate everything day-to-day operations and, and so much more. So I'm very grateful for the uh, media coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not used to it. Obviously I'm not, uh, not John Force in my interviews, but, um, <laughs> you know, you guys have been excellent to work with everybody in the media has been very supportive. So I guess I am campaigning. Hey, and John Force doesn't walk around and become one with his car. So you've got that for you. <laughs> That's in your plus column, not his. 
he probably doesn't know how to play the drums either. No, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I actually, I actually opened for BB King uh, oh. when I when I was like fourteen years old. What the hell's happening here? <laughs> what uh, did you just say? Was that? Yeah, I, dude, you, I, I figured the ship. Here. The ship had sailed on the drums, so the only thing else I'd ever been sure about my entire life was cars. So here we are. But they'd be like, back up. Oh, yeah. Right. Don't bury the lead here. You opened for BB King when you were 14? Wow. Yeah, I got to, how that went. I got to hold Lucille and uh, oh. you know the whole the whole nine yards. It was it was cool. It was it was just a little um a little venue, but um I'm not a shabby drummer. Oh, I, 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 I've gosh. heard of some people. This a guy told me in his uh, community college class in North Carolina. He said that the kids didn't even know who uh, uh, Ray Charles was. Oh. Did you know BB uh, King? You're a musician, so you probably knew BB King. How did you get to open for him? Did somebody ask, or did he ask? How, how did all this come about? Yeah, it was actually a, a local talent show. Um, they had me doing drums and stuff and, um, someone connected me and I got to go to a venue and, and kind of hang out with them for a very short period of time, but it was neat. Did drag racing overcome the, the drums? Do you ever get a chance to, to chill a bit and go bang on the drums in your, in your house there or studio someplace? So with my, with my earnings from the Gainesville win, I went out and bought my dream drum set. So I have not played it yet because I haven't been home long enough to assemble it. But wow. <laughs> um, I, I still play the drums from time to time. But uh, like I said, I figure the ship had sailed and I wasn't going to make it big drumming. So um, the only thing else I'd ever been sure about was cars. So here I am. Yeah, I still want to talk about some music. <laughs> Clearly. Well, you're rookie of the year, all right? Yes, yes. In our minds, yes. Yeah, that's over. <laughs> Tell us about some of this music stuff. Now, Kenny used to be a, a DJ. He's a heavy mm-hmm. metal guy. And I taught him a little bit about R&B, and he's taught me an awful lot about heavy metal. Where's What's your go-to? Um, I would say uh, every time Ron Douglas fires up my dragster, I got kickstart my heart from Motley Crue playing in the background. I mean, it's immediate. Is Tommy Lee of Motley Crue one of your favorite drummers? I do have some uh, autographed drumsticks, absolutely. Uh, he's, he's pretty cool. He's up there. but. Um, yeah, I would have to say, you know, Joey Jordison, you know, people like that. I, mm-hmm. I've I've looked up to for a long time, as far as the drum goes. So when you get up, okay, after oh Pomona, boy. when you get up at the banquet, you got to bring your sticks up on stage, and we we got to hear a little something on the podium, just just a little something, something. Totally into it, no problem. Okay. Yes. Yeah, have them have your walk up music be Inner Sandman. That's what. <laughs> That's what you got to play as you walk up to receive the trophy. I want to hear that, and you you know just have the whole place rock. Actually, in in some of my social media posts, um, people didn't like you know some of the things that I was saying, and and some of my uh, guiding factors in the uh, social media said I really shouldn't have said that. So what I usually do is I put song of the day in the caption somewhere. Right. And that'll describe how I truly feel unedited. Yeah, we shouldn't call Josh. His favorite song today is, you know, Looks That Kill or Death to All. Okay, uh, got five, that. Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah. You're getting, you're getting pretty deep. Uh-huh. That's true. Hey, thanks for doing this, Josh. Yes. We, we learned a lot about you the last 10, 15 minutes of this interview, buddy. Good luck to you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me.